It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. to you wherever you are in this wet and wild Sunday night. Big welcome to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through to the moment that Graham Hill sits down in this, well, I've got to say, in this damp chair at 8 o'clock for the weekend variety wireless because, by crikey, I got wet on the way here. Don't worry, Graham. there's more than one chair in the house. It's going to be one heck of a show, show number 176 tonight. I'd love you to be part of it. Text me 3920 keyword live and that'll pop up in front of me or tweet me, tweet me at Vaughan Davis. If you are on Twitter, you'll see me... Uh, Quaffing, quaffing a uh, a news hub mug of medicinal Milo because that's how wet I got. I needed a Milo. I, I, I need a blankie, but there are no blankies here at Radio Live, unfortunately. Later on, Anna Connell. I hope she gets here dry. Anna Connell joins me for a fun but risky way to automate the writing of a resignation letter. If that's something that's, uh, you know, in, in your fortnight coming up, that might be worth listening to. Some very good news for the carrot tops amongst us. I'm not saying I'm one of them, but I have been accused. And some predictions for the distant technological future. First, though. I'm your You've seen it happen, and maybe you've done it yourself. A company or a school or a doctor's surgery or whatever sends you an email that includes every single other person on their customer list in the CC field. So now everyone knows who's visiting the STD clinic and knows the email address. Shaking his despondent head after three years in the job of Privacy Commissioner from Wellington, John Edwards, welcome to the show. Hi, Paul. Well, you don't sound despondent. You sound you, you sound quite chipper. Oh, look, I'm I'm upbeat, but um, I think you're responding to a tweet that I sent, um, where I kind of bemoaned yet another story of, as you say, the uh, failure to conceal the email addresses of a whole string of people who are visiting a clinic. In the in the um, in the realm of privacy breaches, it's not huge, but as you say, if it was an STD clinic that could have been quite significant for people. I'm not saying it was. You never know. No, no, and I'm not telling. <laughs> so let's just back up the bus a little bit. For people who haven't heard of you or your office, the uh, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner, give me a, a 101 on that. Sure. Um, I'm a, uh, a Crown entity. I'm an independent person whose job it is to promote and protect privacy. So that, that job is given to me under the Privacy Act. Uh, and that means that um, we uh, receive and investigate complaints and we try and settle them. Uh, these are about breaches of privacy. Uh, and uh, we try and influence policy and we try and educate and inform people about their rights and obligations. And that's where you you step in and uh, help out by uh, discussing these important issues on your show. So is, is it a thing that people in general are hit up about? Do you get a lot of complaints and is that number growing? Uh, 
Uh, we get about 800 a year. That's reasonably constant. We get about 8,000 inquiries a year. Uh, and again, that's reasonably constant. Um, it ebbs and flows a bit. When you get a major um, breach by an organisation that causes sort of a lot of anxiety in the community, things bump up a bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty constant. About half of those complaints that we get are from an aspect of privacy that people often don't think about when they think about privacy, and that's people's right of access to information. You know, all those agencies you mentioned, um, the bank, the clinic, the golf club, whatever, uh, they have obligations to keep information safe, but they also have an obligation to let you see what they've got about you. So you've got a right to request access to it. And when they get that wrong, uh, people can come to us and we look into it and try and get them their information for them. Because that, that's pretty important. I'm thinking particularly on the financial services side of things where the information that a, a bank or a credit agency might might hold on me will, will affect decisions that are made about me, right? Yeah, it's huge. And more and more so, particularly, um, I'm pleased you mentioned credit reporting because in, in that sphere... Um, uh, we've moved in the last few years to uh, what is called comprehensive credit reporting or um, sometimes called positive credit reporting. In the old days, uh, credit was only a negative thing. You're, you were only in a credit report if you defaulted on a debt or were made bankrupt or uh, had a judgment against you. That sort of publicly available uh, failure to meet your uh, obligations. Nowadays, uh, the credit reporting agencies are allowed to collect um, information about how well you're doing and how you meet your commitments and how much credit you've repaid. Um, so it's, it's a much richer source of data. And, of course, with that comes the possibility of uh, getting it wrong and, uh, and adverse consequences to getting it wrong. And we've seen some cases uh, work their way through our office and through the Human Rights Review Tribunal uh, where... Mistakes in that area have uh, cost people dearly. So let, let's just jump back to the mistake that this uh, anonymous clinic made in, in, in the last couple of weeks. Why does my email address being made public matter? Why is why is that a brief breach of privacy and, and why, why does it harm me? Sure. Well, there's, there's two elements to that. One might be that, um, that what you were hinting at just in your opening remarks, that... Um, it's not just the email address, it's the relationship to the service or provider there. So everybody knows that, um, uh, you know, everybody else on that list can see that Vaughan Davis um, is getting an email from the um, mental health service. So they assume that he or one of his family um, maybe has a mental illness. Or, or, or even something a, a little bit lower grade, like, you know, thank you for your donation to XYZ political party when, when you thought you were doing that anonymously. Exactly. So there's the, there's the sort of collateral disclosure of, you know, the assumption that, um, uh, that uh, you know, you are associated with that service or endorse it or, 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 or it's revealed part of your life. The other aspect is that, you might simply uh, not want people to use that email address. You know, you might have a, an A list and a B list. You know, you give a, 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 an email address that you use for your online commerce and things or for your close friends for, for one purpose and, and another one just for all the, uh, all the spam. Um, and you, won't want, you may not want that one in circulation uh, and sort of publishing it to 800 other people on the list. One of those 
might be an Amway salesperson or, you know, able to grab that and, and use it for some purpose completely unrelated to the, uh, to the, to the reason that you gave it to the, to the clinic or the uh, agency. So, g- generally speaking, if if I'm a, uh, a clinic or a soccer club or a bank or whatever, and I inadvertently send you know CC a thousand people in my email, am I breaking a law? Uh, well, I, I, I would say that um, that depends. I mean, I get emails from the State Services Commission. I hope I'm not dobbing anyone in here, but to every chief executive uh, of a government agency. And uh, those are all in the two field. Now, they are not breaching the Privacy Act because that information is pretty well publicly available. Mm. Uh, everybody knows who the chief executive are, and you can usually guess that their email address is going to be first name dot last name. Uh, but uh, if the information is more sensitive, is less likely to be known to the others, then you might not be meeting your obligation to keep it safe and secure. So that's what the Privacy Act says. Privacy Act is, is, is based around these 12 information privacy principles. And one of them, Principle 5, says you've got to keep information safe. And how safe depends on what might happen if it goes wrong uh, or, you know, who might get hold of it. So let's let's bring this down to a really uh, sort of down-to-earth level. I'm, I'm the manager of a, a soccer team. I've got the uh, email addresses of all 15 parents uh, on the soccer team. Is it okay for me just to email them all in, in the in the in a way that they can all see their other email addresses, or, or are there steps that I should go through, even even at a sort of community level like that? Well, that's a that's an excellent place to start because what the answer to that depends on what you told those people when you collected their information. So, if you want to have a, a, a soccer team that you know everyone signs up to, when they when they uh, you know take that clipboard and add their name to it, there should be a statement somewhere there saying what's happening to it. And it may be that the, the privacy policy for that soccer team needs to be as simple as, hey, guys, everyone on this list is going to be uh, uh, included just in case we need to cancel and we need to get in touch with everyone so, you know, you, you, know, you can pass it around. When, when you've told people that that's what you're going to do, doing it is not a breach of the law. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. So you've got to be up front. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, and, and in fact, that's the best way of, of managing expectations. If you take the clinic, for example, uh, if they had said to all their patients, uh, you know, we run an open business in a, in a small community and everybody knows you're coming here, so we're going to tell everybody that you're one of our clinics. We're proud of you. Um, well, you know, people can say, uh, no, I don't. Don't, don't think I like that policy. I don't think I like that idea. I'm going to go to a to a clinic that um, takes privacy a little more seriously or, or values the things that I value. So it's kind of a it's allowing people to make market choices in a way. And and you know again back to the clinic example, you know what what should they have done? What would have been the appropriate way to contact their you know 500 uh, patients? Uh, well, uh, email is a, a, a pretty common and acceptable way to contact if you're going to do um i mean there are there are programs that you can use that um uh, lessen the risk of a of a data leak um you know you can use a mailchimp or you know any one of those kind of services uh, if you're just using a standard email product uh, they all have the bcc field which means that uh you 
recipient of the email is going to see to Vaughan.Davis from Vaughan.Davis and then not see the 800 other people who are in the what's sort of um, in an old-fashioned sense called blind carbon copied BCC. Exactly. So the email address is something that, as a you know, Joe Punter, I, I, I might want to uh, keep secret. I mean, mine's pretty widely, uh, pretty widely known. Uh, w- what are some other things about ourselves that we might want to keep private? Generally speaking, I, I see. I, I think about birth dates quite a lot. When you see, you know, birthdays coming on Facebook all the time, a birthday's a handy thing to uh, to use against someone, right? Yeah, that's right. And and again, there's you know, if if we think of privacy being a kind of inherent and objective quality, we don't get very far because um, you know, if you, there, there's nothing intrinsically or inherently private about an email address or a date of birth, um, but it's what you can do with it. Uh, and and you know, I'm, I may not worry that people know how old I am or even my date of birth, but if that is a publicly available, easily known fact together with my email address, uh, you're starting to have access to bits of information that might enable people to compromise my online security and my online identity. You know, if you get into my Facebook and you find out my kids' names and my pet's name and all of these things, this is stuff that might allow you to answer security questions uh, on some of those other websites uh, when you're trying to hack my account. And and your mother's maiden name, of course, which seems to be the uh, seems to be the the perennial. Talking to uh, Privacy Commissioner John Edwards about uh, what organisations should do to protect our privacy and what we can do to protect our own. Back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis on Radio Live. We're talking to New Zealand's Privacy Commissioner John Edwards, and before the break, we were talking about email and the the, uh, the the pretty common occurrence, I guess, of organisations from, you know, um, government departments right down to, to soccer teams sending out everyone's addresses uh, in the address field of an email and the, the problems that causes. Privacy hasn't always been uh, an online issue. I mean, going back, John, 10 years ago, a privacy breach was, you know, some files being found in a, in a rubbish skip. Um, what, what have the changes been in the, in the three years that you've been in the job? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, we we do tend in this you know the, this kind of digital environment does tend to dominate the the discourse these days. But um, as you say, um, very often um, it's a it's a the analog breaches. And in a small business, um, you know, what I see quite a lot of is um, the real basic stuff. On like um, you know, somebody sends a document to the printer and it's got sensitive client information in it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody else sends their letter that they're sending out to somebody else. That person gets to the printer first and scoops up both and sticks them in the envelope and sends them out. Now you've had, you know, two people's stuff sent to one. And, and this is happening every single day. Um, you're, coming back to your question about what's changed, um, I think we are seeing much more of the really large leakages, the, uh, the the Yahoo kind of one billion items, that, you know, these things have just uh, really, really changed the sec- cyber security landscape um, in an extraordinary way. The online um, risks of ransomware, of phishing attacks, 
they've just really gone through the roof. Well, so, one, one thing that even, even small businesses are doing is the stuff that they used to file in uh, a filing cabinet or, and then on a hard drive and then on a server in a server room, they're now storing with these, these trusted but kind of free or cheap um, typically overseas cloud services like you know Dropbox and Google Drive and Microsoft Drive. What, what are the implications for privacy around that? Uh, well, people have to um, take their own steps to satisfy themselves that uh, those services are secure and that they're going to be able to guarantee the continuity of access to them and that they will be kept safe. To be honest, you know, a Microsoft 365 or an Amazon cloud storage facility is probably um, going to offer a much higher level of security than a small business uh, in Te Aumutua Otirahanga is able to. So, um, you know, there's, there's pluses and minuses. Another technical change we've seen, you know, coming particularly in the last six months or so even, is the the willingness of many of us to accept, uh, you know, robots into our homes, by which I mean um, Amazon Alexa and Google Home and uh, Apple HomePod. So these are, uh, they, they market themselves as smart speakers, which is, you know, good marketing because really they're smart microphones sitting there listening to us all the time. Is that something you've given much thought to? Yeah, I mean, the whole world of... Um the so-called Internet of Things uh, is, a, is a perennial at our international conferences and things. Um, you know, the, the Federal Trade Commission in the United States uh, um, signed a company called Vizio, which was offering TVs that hoovered up people's viewing history mm. uh, without them knowing and sent it off. So the, the, the connected world uh, is, is very data-rich. It's grabbing it, it's, it's sending it off. Um, you know, we're seeing the Google... Uh, what is it, Alexa? Um, um, Google Home, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they are always listening. Uh, and they, and, and, I mean, that sounds spooky. They're not sort of um, storing and trans, uh, um, they're transcribing uh, everything you say. But, um, you know, we, we've seen some of these devices used in um, murder investigations. So, <laughs> you know, somebody says that... Um, a device in a home where an offence has occurred uh, and police come and grab it and suck the evidence out and say, no, it's not as you say, it's as, it's as your your machine tells us. The, the, the other interesting trend, I guess, is that information that once upon a time would have been quite sort of innocuous becomes a little bit more... Uh, I guess, powerful and precious. And I'm thinking about electricity metering, which used to just be, you know, one, once a month, someone would come around and, and read the numbers and, and go away. But now the data associated with our, our smart metering can, can can tell someone when we're typically home and when we're typically not. And, and are companies that collect that sort of data getting their heads around the, uh, I guess, the potential and the hazard that comes with that if it's, if it's released? I think they are. Uh, we've... Um been working with some of those companies and we talked to them because, as you say, the smart meters now are providing much more granular information or, and, and the potential is just growing. So, you know, they can give a half-hour snapshot which can tell you, you know, what what device you've turned on, uh, um, you know, when you have your shower in the morning and, as you say, the typical usage patterns of, um, of when you're likely to be away, which might be a good time to pop around and burgle the place. Um, so, 
Yes, there are obligations to uh, to store that data securely and to ensure that it's not used in ways that creep people out, which is a good sort of test of thumb. Uh, and I think that most of the um, electricity retailers and distributors uh, are aware of that uh, and are moving into this world sort of deliberately. They're seeking advice from us, which we are always happy to give. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, there are no nasty surprises in there for people. So t- tying it back to your complaints and inquiries, the, the whole creeping out thing, I, I'm, I'm going to take a, a wild stab and say that the, the younger you are, the less creeped out you are by this. Is that, is that correct in your view? Um, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I do think um, probably uh, young people have a better understanding of the likely data flows uh, of the services that they use and they moderate their behaviour accordingly. Um, You know, somebody who's sitting in their lounge and enjoying their senior years watching the TV, um, they've never expected that their TV is listening to what they're saying and is uh, taking their words uh, and um, firing them across the world or might be harvesting their uh, watching patterns and putting that in a database somewhere. As you know, a person who's been in the job for, for three years now clearly had an interest in privacy going in. Three years on, what what, is, what has changed in your personal habits, your personal behaviours? You know, do you, I, I note that uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, tapes over the, uh, the the webcam on his computer. Uh, have you gotten to that point, or are you, are you sort of you know trying to pre- live live life uh, regardless? Well. It's it's an interesting one. Uh, I saw that the Pope also uh, had his camera, uh, forward-facing camera on his iPad, uh, covered over. Does he? Yes. Well, God's um, looking at him all the time. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It's, um, I mean, those kind of security uh, uh, frailties, I think, uh, are better and better understood. So I was at a conference in Washington a couple of years ago, and in the, the... the sort of merch booths where all the sponsors go, uh, one of the new little gadgets that was being handed out was a, a little slider uh, that you could put over your uh, camera on your laptop and slide it when you want the camera activated and the other way when you're not using it. So just a, a slightly more elegant piece of duct tape. Exactly, exactly that. But, you know, this was not fringe tinfoil hat-wearing stuff. This was... Um, a piece of sponsorship from PricewaterhouseCoopers, you know, one of the biggest uh, advisory firms in the world. So if I'm a, uh, a small business owner or a, you know, a, a club secretary or someone who handles uh, a bunch of private information, and hopefully in the last 20 minutes we've sort of uncovered that, you know, the, the stuff that these organisations handle is private personal information, where can I go to, uh, to learn more about, uh, you know, the policies that I, that I should be following and putting in place? Well, what an excellent question. Uh, as luck would have it, I do have some uh, sources of advice for you. Good on Our you. Our website is uh, privacy.org.nz. That's privacy.org.nz. Now, if you're that soccer team or um, clinic or incorporated society or whatever, the, the, the most important thing that... Uh, you'll need is a privacy policy. And we have this kind of widget on our website called the Privomatic. And if you spend five minutes entering a bit of data about uh, what your organisation is, what you do and how you use personal information, you'll come out of it at the end with a really clear statement that you can hand out to members or put on your website or put on your forms. So that's one thing. 
uh, if a question comes up um, uh, in, in your work about what your obligations are and, and you're not quite sure, uh, our website has a field called Ask Us, and it's a knowledge base. It's getting smarter all the time. It's got all the questions. What do you reckon we get asked most about, Thorn? Ooh, what do we get? Uh, um, what does the government know about me? How about that? No, oh. no, no. Uh, they, the people want to know if it's okay to record each other. We love it. Oh, how how topical! Well, well, well I've, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed uh, recording you tonight, uh, John Edwards, Privacy Commissioner. Thanks so much for joining me on Sunday Social. Thanks, Lauren. Hi, and you can listen back to that whole entire ironically recorded interview uh, at RadioLive.co.nz under Shows and Sunday Social, and it's podcast, of course, at uh, Apple iTunes. Just go have a nosy search for whatever thing uh, seems appropriate and follow your nose. After the break, Anna Connell with, as promised. Ooh, some predictions from the distant future. Let's uh, let's see if you think they're right. Back soon. Your portal to the world of tech and social media. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. On Radio Live. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social into the back nine now with uh, Anna Connell joining me for the rest of the show. How are you, Anna? I'm very well, Vaughan. How are you? I'm, well, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of just how dry you are. You I must, know. You must have come here in one of those cars. I did use a car. Lazy. One of those well, amazing you're, automobiles. You're from the North Shore, aren't you? Yeah, it would have been a long walk. It, it would have been. In fact, I'm, I'm getting dangerously close to compromising your privacy by talking about where you live. Ah, yeah, the North Shore's a big place, though. The North Shore, <laughs> the, the North Shore is a is a big and affluent place. I tell you, I tell you how I didn't come here. Do you know how I didn't come here? I didn't come here in my Tesla. No. I did not come here in my Tesla because we were talking about this in the break and it's worth talking about again. We've spoken about it before on the show. I ordered one of those Teslas. You know, you, you can pre-order a Tesla. I, I mean, I didn't. But you, you could. About a year ago, one long year ago, uh, the, you know, they announced that you could pre-order a, a Tesla 3, which is kind of the, the entry level, $35,000 US. Um you know, $1,000 deposit. And then I changed my mind. I changed my mind about two months ago for you know, various reasons, not least of which, you know, worst customer service ever. Yes. And have I got my money back yet, Anna, after two months? No, you haven't. No, I have not. I have not. I would have, uh, I would, I would have, I would have laid on chippies, chippies and quite possibly fairy bread sandwiches for all at the news hub if I had my $1,000 back. Oh, come on, Tesla. Come on, Tesla. Come on, Elon Musk. Don't give me chips stop, stop, tonight. Stop, stop boring holes in the ground and shooting rockets to Mars and give me my money. Hey, um, this story, uh, you, 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 you brought this one up, and it's it's political. And part of me wants to stay away from the politics because because we've had you know seven days of politics or six and a half days of politics. Why do we need to come back to it on a Sunday night? But this was really interesting. The legality or otherwise of social media blocking for politicians first tell me tell me about blocking what is it yeah so on most social media networks there's a um a setting that you can press on someone's um profile which will essentially mean that they can't see what you say and you can't see what they say anymore so they you basically make them invisible and it is used um essentially to protect a lot of people from trolls or people who are really trying to have a bit of a go it's a safety kind of mechanism um so it kind of hides those people and they can't contact you and it's a great thing and and social media networks should be encouraging that kind of thing but the interesting thing with politicians is essentially can you stop someone who might be a constituent for example 
contacting you via social media. Is yeah. that legal? Yeah, this, this was really interesting because the, the, my main experience of this with, with politicians has been Judith Collins, who we, you know, we see... She hasn't been in the news much recently, has she? No, she hasn't. Actually. She's taken a bit of a back seat, but yeah. she was a prolific blocker. She wasn't was she? a prolific blocker. So we saw, we saw her as really, really tough and strong and uh, sort of indefatigable. But I had her on the show. We got to talking about this, and she blocks a lot of people because she just can't stand the grief of, mm. of people mm. being mean. But but uh, a politician in the states has got a bit block happy, and it's got the American Civil Liberties Union upset, the ACLU. Yeah, so they've essentially said that, um, you know, politicians, or this particular politician has been a bit too liberal with it. Uh, and Ironically, because it's about the only liberal thing about it. Oh, I know, I know. But it essentially sort of, you know, the ACLU has said you can't block people who want to talk to you, have a conversation with you. Which I'd never really thought of. And it's actually a really valid point because, you know, you are a representative Maybe if, maybe if you're an opposition politician, different story perhaps, or if you're not actually in government. Well, a lot of them are sitting MPs, though, in, yeah, in that's constituencies. True. That, yeah, if, 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 so if, if, you're, if you're there to represent and there to listen to the, the concerns of the people and pass them on, you know, affect lawmaking and policy, you, you wouldn't rip up the letters that were sent to your office or no. have your, you know, private secretary not answer the phone calls. So, yeah, it's it, it opened my eyes. So I, yeah. I'm beginning to think if I'm a politician, I've got no right to be blocking. And if I can't take that, nope. that heat, I probably shouldn't be a politician. Well, it's kind of an interesting one, right? Because in America, they take that stuff really seriously, like all what, of democracy? the... <laughs> democracy, yes. And civil, civil rights. But they archive, like all tweets from politicians are part of an official archive and you can actually in New Zealand, you can put in an OIA request via social media. So I think it's possible. I've had a look at some and, of the and government. Unless, unless it's the Prime Minister's text messages, oh, which is just a different thing entirely. Oh, let's not go there. Let's but not yeah, go there. No, I mean, if you wanted to put in an OIA request, you can do that via social media. So I feel like possibly the New Zealand government needs some better guidelines. I don't know when they last updated their kind of government social media guidelines because they had a look recently and I feel like they could do with a little bit of an update. Yeah, so I've, I've had a look at uh, a couple of the political party uh, guidelines but yeah, the government guidelines themselves, that would be a very interesting Just thing. The official ones, right? A very Yeah, a very interesting thing to talk about. Okay. The distant future, the distant future. It is the distant future, the year 2000. We are robots. The world is very different ever since the robotic uprising of the mid-90s. There is no more... Predictions about the future. You're really sticking your neck out if you make a prediction about the future, Anna, but um, one one fella, Professor Walsh, I don't even know where he's from. Where's Professor Walsh from? He's from somewhere. He's an American. He's from the, he's from the present. He's from the Americas. He's from the present. <laughs> And um, he he's stuck his neck out in the uh, in, in the in the age of um, in, in, in the age of the, the fast developing internet and made some predictions about the future in a book called "It's Alive: Artificial Intelligence from the Logic Piano to Killer Robots." And uh, let's just go through them. He's got he's got five predictions that uh, he's sure are going to happen by 2050. Should we, should we, yeah. should we run through them one at a time? So number one. You're banned from driving. Humans won't drive anymore. Because it's unsafe. Yeah, it'll be ruled unsafe for a human as opposed to a robot or artificial intelligence to drive. What do you think? What are the chances? Um, I think that's quite high because I think it makes a lot of sense, right? I think it's high. Yeah, I think it's high. people and are crazy. 
Whereas people, people are crazy on the road. Whereas Terminator is not crazy. It's just it's just calculated. He wants to kill you. So I, I think 2050 driving will be something we do. It'd be like mountain biking. You'll do it in parks, in ATVs, or you know, on tracks for fun. Yes. Right? Yeah. It'll be a leisure pursuit. Okay. Big tick. Big tick. Professor Walsh. A computer is your boss. Is number two. Uh, humans could be responsible for hiring and firing us. And he points out that we already trust them to match us with a spouse. Yeah, but we don't, though. That's a bit of a stupid one, I It's think. more of a serving suggestion, isn't it? Yeah, because you don't. There's still a human being choice component when you use technology to find dates and stuff like that. I don't. I think that one's less true. So could, could computers hire a fire us? Probably not. We talk to rooms. So in 2050, we'll talk to rooms and make demands. Ask our room to turn the lights on and who won the football. Professor Walsh. Where Professor Walsh, that's happening now. Where have you been? That, 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 that's happening now. That's I absolutely happening yell now. yell at my fridge frequently and it has no technology, but you have a, a Google I have a, Home. I have, I have a Google yeah. Home, so I can go, I can go OK, Google, um, you know, play me some cat videos. Yeah, and suddenly on my that. T Or OK, Google, you know, um, who who won the rugby. And yeah. it so Talk about hedging Walsh, your bets, mate. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's kind of, yes, it's true, but you're 33 years uh, wrong. OK, we'll visit, this is number four out of five, we'll visit the doctor every day this one i think is true <coughs> i think it is too we'll wear a fitness watch that measures our pulse blood pressure sleep exercise and other vitals and it'll be constantly measured by the doctor this is happening already this it is kind happening of already. is i use health apps and i check them every day and stuff like that and i think there's obvious enormous privacy can concerns and hurdles to get through but i think the fact that your health professional will become a robot is quite likely well or, or a, a human being helped by robots i think Sort of, you know, managing, yeah. by, managing by exception. Whoop, whoop, Vaughan's had too many pies. But given how much guesswork might go into the going and saying your GP anyway before you go into some kind of diagnostic phase, it's probably a hell of a lot more information that you could glean from using a fitness watch. Ab absolutely. Yeah. So, so that, that, that one's, that one's a, a certainty. And the final one, and I don't know, Professor Walsh, maybe Professor, Professor Walsh wrote this book, um, you know, 15 years ago, Marilyn Monroe back on movie screens. So... Um, an avatar, so, you know, CGI Marilyn Monroe, programmed to be her, act like her, appear to be her, back on movie screens. Yeah, again. By 2050. Already Star happened. Wars. <laughs> it has... It has... Oh, we did the snorty laugh. Sorry, it, you've but... You've been here 15 minutes and you've only just done the snorty laugh. That, that's why we get you in. There's um, a whole movie called Avatar. Yeah, there totally is. And they are all, like... Yeah, but they're, but they're, not, they're not particular people brought back from the dead. No, but they could have been because they're like blue skin people. You could just make them Marilyn Monroe. Well, the guy, the guy, the, the evil guy in Star Wars, they did that with him. Yeah. And and there was talk of um, bringing Carrie Fisher back That's to, right. to, to do the the missing shots from the next. Uh, Star Wars movie, but they decided it would be insensitive. So that's absolutely possible. You could do it now. Uh, in five years, you'll be doing it all the time. The, the only question becomes one of intellectual property, though. Mm, you true. Know, Fair estate. Let, let's, say, let's say I want to have Harrison Ford in my movie, and Harrison Ford says, no, well, screw it, I'll just get... Uh, Harrison Holden, who's my, <laughs> who's my, who's my uh, digital equivalent, Harrison Ford, and who's to say, who's to say that uh, my digital Harrison Ford is derivative? It might just be an amazing coincidence. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot more fights about likeness there in the future. Be, there will be a lot more fights in the future. So, uh, Professor Toby Walsh, it's alive. Artificial intelligence from the Logic Piano to killer robots. Well, you, you've heard the high points. You've heard the high points, and uh, I'd save the money. I wouldn't buy the book. I wouldn't buy the book. Hey, after the break, we've got the apps, websites, and other digital malarkey that you need, you need to get through the week, including some very good news for the Ninja Ninjas.
Back soon. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry, be happy. And welcome back to Sunday Social. Ten minutes till the weekend variety wireless kicks off. In the meantime, counting down the apps you've just got to have and... It would not be a Sunday social show without some emoji news. Anna. No, just checking in with our favourite subcommittee. Emoji, <laughs> um, the, um, the um, I forgot what it's called. The, Unicode. The Unicode, the Unicode Council or whatever it's called who decide what will and what will not be a uh, an emoji. Well, breaking news, if you've got uh, hair that, let's say, is somewhere between uh, between blonde and brown. Yeah. Is it fair to say? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good place it's a good spectrum. The, your, your carrot top, your carrot top constituency represent you're finally, well, probably finally, getting an emoji. All oh, of your own. So boy, boy one, girl one, carrot top represent. Uh, early 2018, hang out for it. Because until, until now, you've just had to make do with, you know. Blonde. A, emoji of different hair colours. But I think the other one's more interesting. A woman's flat shoe. This, this is kind of like um, Cluedo, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, and Colonel Mustard in the library with a woman's, with a woman's, a flat, woman's shoe. flat shoe. So, um, fair enough. Fair enough. It's been yeah, uncomfortable. Well, uh, why, do we, why are we all wearing heels? Why are the ladies wearing well, heels? Well, exactly. Um, a kangaroo emoji. I can't believe there hasn't been a kangaroo emoji till now. A skateboard. Fair enough. And But the last one, the last one I like, I really like this one, uh, because you will remember that the, um, I think the Lifetime Achievement Award and the Emoji Awards a couple, couple of weeks ago, here I am, brain the size of a planet, multiple university degrees talking about Emoji Awards. Yes, very important. Um, the Lifetime Achievement Award went to the, the Smiling Poo, uh, and now the Smiling Poo emoji is to be joined by a frowning poo. A sad poo. A sad poo. And I think that's entirely appropriate because there are times when you want to send a poo you want to send a poo emoji, that is, or maybe you want to send a poo. Do you know, do you know there's a, do you know, do you know, Anna, there is a, um, I'm going to find it for next week. Um, there is a site on the internet that for a small sum of money will anonymously send a poo to someone on your behalf. I think I have heard about that, actually. You've you probably heard about it on the show. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably sendapoo.com. Braden, Braden, can poo. Look at, Braden can look it up and then, then, then chip in with it. Uh, well, it's not a human poo because human poos are, um, are, 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 are the rankest of all poos, apparently. Yeah, we're, 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 top of, we're top of the, um, of some pyramid, but we're bottom of the poo pyramid. This is high quality, right? Yeah, this is, it's, it's more like a, um, a horse poo, I think. <laughs> and horse poo is, and here's a, here's a fact you can, uh, you can take home, uh, you're able to send it through the mail because it's an agricultural um, product. Oh, that is people really it, good to know. People use it for their I'm gardens. very happy I know that now. Yeah, so we, what are we talking about? Emojis. <laughs> the emoji. emoji. We're talking about the emoji. Poo emoji. The, the poo emoji. Now, now, figurative poo, figurative poo, by which I mean stuff that is absolutely crappy. You've got a couple of examples this week, Anna, of some pretty crappy things on the internet. Some oh, yeah. Crappy, some, a couple of apps which... Really, this is a cautionary tale. It really is. So I um, was cruising around looking looking at what was new in Appland and um, quite a lot of buzz about these two which are aimed at teenagers. One is called Yellow, which is definitely very much here in New Zealand, um, and the other is called Saraha. Um, now, Saraha is just a way of anonymously commenting about somebody and you can go on there and find out whether or not somebody has said a mean thing about you, left a mean comment. Um, 
Yellow is... Or a nice comment. No, no, it's designed for shitty comments. Well, no, that's not what the the makers... That's what what the makers of it... They say from secret crushes to horrible bosses, uh, people are wishing for ways to vent anonymously on social media. So it could be a secret crush. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it might be a secret crush. What's the point, though? I don't know. Good yeah. point. So I think the main thing is, is that it's obviously being used in schools for people to say lots of mean stuff about yeah. kids. So if your kid or niece or nephew or grandkid has got an app called Saraha, um, I would counsel them against it. Yellow, I probably. think, is the worst one and the most possibly dangerous one. So it's billed as Tinder for Teens by its French makers. Um, and NetSafe, who are our internet watchdog, have already confirmed that they've had a few complaints from people about it because it works a lot like Tinder for teenagers and there's no age verification on it. So there's no... I, I signed up for it today as a 13-year-old boy. So... I, I, I back up the bus because this is radio. Um, Anna, Anna is not a boy. <laughs> I'm not a boy, nor doesn't 13. Ident- doesn't identify as a boy, should I say. No, and, so... And is not a 13. It's essentially, um, you know, you can go on there. It's designed and aimed specifically at 13 to 17-year-olds to be able to make f- friends within their area. So, you know, Tinder for, for um, kids, essentially, teenagers. But there's absolute... Anybody can sign up and they can't possibly test what age you are. So, obviously, it's being used by pedophiles and people who are, you know... Like, and it, it tracks your location and all of that sort of stuff. And yep. it just sounds dodgy as all hell, to be honest. So, alarm bells again. So, we'll put this on the uh, the blog tomorrow morning, uh, radiolive.co.nz, under Shows and Sunday Social. The apps to look out for you on your kids' phones... Uh, yellow um, and Saraha, which is like Sarah with a A H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. avoid. Avoid big time. Hey, now this one, this one's a good news. This one's a good news site. It's called uh, Quitbot. This is art, <laughs> art, artificial intelligence news for the. It was not even. It's 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 kind of it's kind of low low grade artificial intelligence. So Quitbot is a robot that writes resignation letters on your behalf, uh, which is which is you know. It's Resi- a handy service. Resignation letters can be hard to write. So it takes about mm, four or five minutes. So you fill in some basic stuff. You all, you know, the, the proper stuff like your first and last name and the date when you want to quit by the address of your uh, your employer. And then you push, um, you know, write the letter. And it writes the letter. So I got to write a letter and, and it, it was okay. So it said, Dear Mr. Dear Mr. Media Works, um, my intention is to bleed as much money out of you as possible. To that end, I intend to serve my entire notice period of four weeks. Such my last day in the office will be 1 September. Alternatively, I will accept cash in lieu. If it's enough cash, I'll disappear immediately. I would like to take this opportunity to express my deep and profound hope that I never see you or the inside of this place again. Yours like a sock. Well, it said, it said, um, it said, do you want to sign off in an unusual way? And I said, yes. And then it said, how? Um, I don't know. Yours like a, <laughs> yours like a sock. <laughs> that's unusual, isn't it? Isn't that unusual? Yes, it is. I yes. think that's unusual. Yours like a sock. Yours like a sock. And then it says, mic drop at the end, which is very, uh, which is very hip hop, I think, for a resignation le- letter. So the, the name of the website, uh, it's got a long and convoluted name. But if you, um, if you Google Quitbot, Quitbot, you'll you'll find that uh, if 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 indeed you're in a job that uh, you're not happy about. Hey, I just want to leave with one one little one little app I had a bit of a play with. Um, I was looking at the the Google uh, Play Store and it has recommended for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me so sad. It came up. It came up. It's the number one recommendation for me, and I don't know how it collects this information to make its recommendation on. Um, is a game called Loner. 
<laughs> describes, <laughs> it describes itself as one game that makes you feel lonely and peaceful. What? The first thing it does is asks to access your contacts. I don't have any. <laughs> also, I only mean to be lonely. I'm too much. Yeah, no, I'm too much of a loner. Um, it, it assigns you a username randomly. My, 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 the username it assigned me assigned me was Ghastly Jackalope. Oh God! I don't know. It just gets worse and worse. But the game itself, the game itself is a slow paced musical flying game it's rather beautiful you control a biplane through the series of of colorful gates calming music plays and meditative graphics appear so the name of it is loner it's only available on android it's rather lovely hey thank you so much for sheltering from the storm with me tonight my first half guest privacy commissioner john edwards anna connell welcome as always and in the booth mr Braden liggett hold there right now for Mr. Graham Hill with a weekend variety wireless. He's bursting through the door. Enjoy 99.